Hey, this is Michael Emery. Thanks for tuning into the Slow Baja. This podcast is powered by Tequila Fortaleza, handmade in small batches, and hands down, my favorite tequila. You know, I've long said it. Ask your doctor if Baja is right for you. Well, you got to check out the Adventures tab at slowbaja.com. The Slow Baja is from February 23rd to March 1st. It's a slow roll from the beautifully rustic Rancho La Bayota to stunning San Ignacio and back up to sunny San Felipe. We're going to have a one full week to explore some of my favorite places and meet some of my favorite people. We're going to have two nights in San Ignacio and everybody's going to get to go whale watching. You know those gray whales in the San Ignacio Lagoon are noted for their curiosity and friendliness. So be prepared for them to get up close and check you out. And I'm proud to say I'm going to be doing a little giving back on this trip. My friend Matthew Schnitzer, the founder of Barbers for Baja, you know the great work they do sending kids to college. Well, he's on board and we're excited to launch our new project delivering desperately needed baseball gear to teams and coaches up and down the peninsula. And we will make our first gear donations on the slow Baja. You know, it's not the longest or the largest or the most miles. It's the slowest and the best miles and hopefully the most smiles. Okay, for more information, check out the slow Baja at slowbaja.com. Don't be afraid to ask questions. You can always reach me through the contact link at slowbaja.com. And remember, the Slow Baja is open to 4x4 vehicles of any age. Got a two-wheel drive that you think you can make it? Well, let's talk. Once again, that's the Slow Baja, February 23rd through March 1st, 2024. Help me keep Baja slow on the Slow Baja. You know, I'm a minimalist when it comes to Baja travel, but the one thing I don't leave home without is a good old paper map. My favorite is the beautiful, and I mean beautiful, Baja Road and Recreation Atlas by Benchmark Maps. It's an oversized 72-page book. It's jammed with details. It brings the peninsula's rugged terrain into clear focus. Get yours at benchmarkmaps.com. In fact, get two. One for your trip planning at home and one for your Baja rig. Hey, big news. Benchmark just released the second edition of the Baja Road and Recreation Atlas. They are always striving to improve these maps, and they've added a bunch of new features, a bunch of places of interest, including the Chenith Legacy Lodge. It wasn't on the first printing of the map. It's there now. It's awesome. You can see it right there in Persibu. Get your brand new second edition of the Baja Road and Recreation Atlas from BenchmarkMaps.com. And while you're at BenchmarkMaps.com, you got to check out all their other atlases. I think they're up to 17 now, including British Columbia. They've got folding maps. They've got digital maps. They've got giant wall maps. My favorite, and I've got it up on my wall right here at Slow Baja HQ, is the 30-inch by 46-inch Baja wall map. It's so great to just look at one thing and see the entire peninsula there i love it benchmarkmaps.com slow baja approved my heaping dose of gratitude today goes out to you the slow baja listener to you old timers thanks for staying with me we're into year four now year four jesus um and to you folks that just started listening and spotify said a bunch of you found slow baja last year sincere thanks for jumping aboard we covered a lot of ground in 2023 and making the leap to video while it almost killed me, was huge. I feel incredibly fortunate to have had Kaiser shooting on my first two Baja trips of the year. That Johnny Johnson interview, if you haven't seen it, you gotta watch it on YouTube. It's one of my all-time favorite slow Baja conversations, and I guess gotta say, I'm I'm lucky to have it for posterity, so R.I.P. Johnny. Um, okay, today's show was recorded way back in February of last year, and I'm, I'm sorry I wasn't able to share it sooner, but you know, I try to keep a mix going on Slow Baja and not just feed you a steady stream of off-roading, and this show got bumped a couple of times. It, it just did, and listening to it today, nearly a year later, I got choked up. I did. Um, you can feel how raw the emotions were when we recorded this. Uh, Dom and Chris, you know, two buddies on a motorcycle trip in Baja XL, um, Dom freely admits mistakes were made and eventually one really came back to bite him and chris he he's just a dude i mean you know i'm just gonna get right into it he in his work life with the navy he did bomb disposal for the navy seals in afghanistan he's been in some shit excuse my language um and he had the ride of his life doing his darndest to save dom's life and you know how the story ends because they were both sitting with me to tell the tale but that said it's a tale worth hearing, and honestly, there's nothing tall about this one. Chris and Dom, and they're pretty self-effacing. They, they tell it like it is, or at least like it was. And Well, enjoy this harrowing tale with Chris and Dom on the 2023 Baja XL today. 
on slow Baja. The quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. It's pretty nice, man. <laughs> Chris, one more time, Chris. Uh, my name's Chris Gardner, and Dominic's my buddy here who I constantly have the <laughs> problems with time and time again. <laughs> awesome. All right, hey. It's slow Baja, and we are, you can hear the dust and tequila on my breath. We are just back across the border from the Baja XL rally, and, uh, well, we've got some stories to share. I'm with uh, Dominic O'Mahony. Say hello, Dominic, so they can hear your voice. Hello, all. <laughs> We're at Chris's house here in San Diego, and it's uh, pretty close to the airports. There may be some, fly, some planes flying in, but we wanted to get this story right now while it's still raw. <laughs> so, Chris, Chris, say hello. Hello, Baja. Uh, so Baja, it's nice to be here. Hey, so Dom and I met, Dominic and I met uh, on the Baja XL 2021, correct? On a rainy day, remember that? Yeah, yeah, it was a freezing cold rainy day, the first day, in a, in a very busy restaurant with a, that was a, a, extremely overcrowded. And, uh, that was During the, COVID. Uh, yeah, it was. With yeah. singing. Indeed, yeah, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so we're freezing because we've driven down this, this road uh, in through rain and snow and we've got an open vehicle and we're freezing and i see your bikes out front i'm like these guys know what to do this guy is is an experienced rider we're going to come in this restaurant and get warm and there's no room in the restaurant and there's all this um, fun and fiesta going on and singing and uh you you guys were like in an anti-room or a fenced-in porch or a, i think it was a, a fenced-in porch because yeah, you know you're, you're, well, like yourself i think uh, i think misery loves, loves company we have all of our stuff exposed on the vehicle so we have to keep an eye on it yeah and so, so we're cautious the, of that this is in a, a restaurant in, in valley t folks via trinidad and um I think I ended up um, helping myself to a cup of coffee, which nobody cared about, and we certainly weren't getting any attention. So we moseyed on down to the uh, Asaderia and, and ordered some tacos. And that just said something to me that like, this guy is tough. He's riding his motorcycle on this event with your friend that you talked into at Andy, if I recall. Well, Annie hadn't, Annie hadn't ridden in 30 years. He came home one day to find his wife, his new wife had sold his motorcycle. Um, but he's quite an adventurous guy. He's a triathlete and stuff. And I, at his birthday party, I convinced his wife to, if, if we promised to only ride off road, could he get a bike? And she had a few drinks and she agreed in, in front of witnesses. So three days later, we had the bike for him. And then, and then I convinced him to do this, which he didn't want to do this time because of, uh, he, he has a, an aversion to large portions of sand. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I think we call that a Baja. You're a Baja influencer on motorcycles. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So, Pays well. so set it up. Um, you've, you've had a number of bikes because I put you in touch with Kaiser, my podcast producer to get him sorted on his bike for his first Baja trip. And yeah, you I really did sort him out and then I, he ended up in the car with me. I rode, um, uh, I rode street bikes for a number, a number of years. When I moved to California, it was in the great, great recession. So I had a lot of spare time because I was a general contractor building restaurants in Chicago, then they all sort of fell apart. So I did 10,000 miles in the first year and I got sick of it and then just started wondering where all these roads were going to go, all these dirt roads, and that's what got me into it. But my first foray was on, an, was on a BMW F800GS from here to Mike Sky Ranch. And I Googled, Googled the night before, how do you ride on dirt? And it just essentially, the, the expression is, you know, hit the gas, it'll save your ass. Excuse me for laughing. Yeah. So I, I got all the way up to Mike Sky Ranch, first time on dirt, didn't fall, I thought, I've got this. And then on the way back, it was utter carnage. And then I realized how expensive motor BMWs in, partic in particular are to fix. And then that's when I, be I became a pretty competent mechanic because I didn't want to pay anybody else to do it. So that was, I've had five of those bikes. And then Chris here uh, tricked me into riding his bike one day. And I said, after the last Baja XL, I broke my, my BMW. It couldn't handle the riding. So I, I thought, well, maybe I've, I've, I've progressed to the next level and I bought the same bike as Chris has got. And then it destroyed me on this, on this uh, this Baja XL. And that's a KTM. Yeah, right. KTM 1090 Adventure R. Okay. Hey, Chris, say hello. Let's talk about, you've got some bike motorcycle I experience. Do. Yes, thanks. And uh, hello, everybody at Slow Baja. Um, yeah, I grew up riding dirt bikes, never uh, racing or anything, just free riding recreationally, like, uh, you know, Yamahas, Hondas. And I rode a uh, Johnny Campbell 650, XR650 forever until I met this guy in 2013. Uh, we did five days in Death Valley. They were all on GSs. I was on my XR. I had put some soft bags and a couple extra Roto Pack cans just to have legs to keep up with these guys as far as fuel. 
And I realized, hey, that's this kind of adventure style writing is, is the kind of writing I want to do for the rest of my life. And I sold my two <laughs> Japanese bikes and I got a KTM adventure bike because I wanted the most off-road capable bike to get as close to what I used to do, but also be able to just jump on and go anywhere, any, any place. Um, and I've been riding with Dom, Dom ever since. And that's always an adventure. And it's always an adventure. And I'll tell you, Dom is a great mechanic and it's just a testament to how, how much his bike breaks. He's, he's an experienced mechanic and he's our go-to guy on bad, the trail. Bad rider, good mechanic. <laughs> hey, well, let's, uh, let, can we, Dom, can you, um, tell the, tell the listeners a little bit about the whole uh, world of adventure bikes now. It's just exploded. It's like overlanding, but on bikes, right? Explain ADVs and adventure motorcycling and all that. If you think of a, Riding motorcycles in general, people who have an NM license, I think it's about maybe 10 or 15% of the driving population are licensed to drive, ride a motorcycle in the US. And then of that 10 or 15%, probably 10 or 15% can take a, you know, a 500 pound bike off road successfully. And a lot of guys think they can do it because they've ridden dirt bikes, but it's a whole different animal. Um, but what it does, it's, it's, a, it's essentially, it's the, it's the land, the four wheel drive or the Jeep, or whatever you want of, of the motorcycle world. There's not a lot of vehicles that will take you on a two and a half thousand mile foray in some of the hardest terrain in the world and then drive you home at 80 miles an hour and pull in your garage. And it's, it's the, for what I like about it, it's the ability to have everything that you need on the vehicle and go anywhere that your skill is capable of bringing you. And the, and the type of person that is into that, just like going to, into Baja, you know, on these, on these forays in any vehicle, is a very specific kind of person that, that can do that. And, the, and, and it leads to them being quite interesting, typically. So typically it's a win-win, right? Present yeah. company. They don't always have large amounts of scaling, but sometimes that sometimes that you don't need that. Yeah. And, and Chris, I'm just getting to know you, but we had a nice dinner at, uh, uh, Austin Ashley in Hallie's house in, in, uh, San Juanico. And uh, I'm sitting there next to you and I, I, I can see immediately that you're a person of substance and seriousness. You don't say a lot. You look a lot, you take everything in. And then I hear that you're retired Navy and, um, Explosives EOD is yes. that it? Yes. Just your explosive. Uh, what does that stand for? Give me the, the uh, so definition. EOD stands for Explosive Ordnance Disposal. Or everyone's it, divorced. A, <laughs> well, yeah, that's kind of a joke, but it stands for everyone's divorced. It's because it's a tough life, and you know guys are gone a lot, and it's just really really tough on families. So, in the military, it's you know pretty common to make light of serious things to, to cope to cope. Yeah, um, I don't know what you can talk about in the, the work you did in the past and the people you worked with in the past, but you spent a lot of years at this, correct? Yes, I did. I uh, was in the Navy 25 years. Um, I was an EOD technician for 21 uh, of those years. My first four, I was an aircraft mechanic. But I was in an EOD school training, learning to be a bomb technician when 9-11 happened. Uh, I got to my first unit January 2001 and uh, was in uh, Afghanistan that summer um, with SEAL Team with one of the SEAL Team 3. And then it was just deployment, deployment, deployment after that. Um, and the, the reason I bring that up is because I noticed it immediately. Um, you're a thinker. You can see it. So that's going to that's gonna be important later in the story because there was a lot of stuff that went wrong here. And your, your skills and your thought and thinking this through um, is probably what saved Dom's bacon. Uh, and I think we just need to start getting into that story now. So um, you're on the Baja XL. And uh, Dom is a maniac. And um, you had some problems. So Dom, pick up the, the first problem. You, you lost your luggage. Well, you lost your stuff. It burned up. The first problem was the rider that we think we've, uh, we've, we've analyzed this uh, post-race. And we, we think it starts with, it starts with the rider not being prepared. But... Yeah, I was I had to work the day of leaving a, a, a job that, that needed to be completed. I had to work, so I was late leaving and then rush, rush, rush. But essentially, that the um, the the fire thing was the, sleep, the sleeping bag got burnt up on my exhaust and ignited, and and then burnt all of my luggage on the back of the bike, which is all my sleeping stuff and all my clothing. But the the kind of funny start of it was I I drove by a guy on the highway, <laughs> doing about. <laughs> Let's get to the funny part, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to the funny. The funny part was I drove by a guy on the highway just before the turnoff to the first campsite. I, I, you know, it was about 11.30 at night. You know, empty road, clear road. So I put my high beams on, 
overtook him on this old Baja truck, you know, beat up truck. And he starts flashing me. I thought, it's a bit rude. Well, you know, what's his problem there? Because I'm overtaking him. So I ignored it, of course, as you do. And then just, you know, went, went a mile ahead and then turned left onto the dirt. And then I see him come screeching around in front of me. I thought, oh, this doesn't look good. But then I realized there's a car behind me because I can see lights behind me. So I thought there was two of them trying to jump me or something. But, you know, I've, I thought, you know, there's always a way out of, to talk your way out of most things, I find. But then I look over my right shoulder and there's six foot flames behind me with all my luggage on fire. So the guy, as I rode by him, my bike was on fire. That's what he's flashing me for. But I thought this guy's going to get some, he's going to get beers on this for the rest of his life on this story because or else no one's going to believe him. So I literally panicked because my old bikes have always had the fuel tank on the back. I thought, oh my God, the bike's going to go. So I kicked the bike over in the sand and then you, you know, you, th you think you'd act all suave, but you're just going to fall on panic trying to pat it with my gloves and it melted my gloves of course it's all it's all burning plastic and then uh, managed to cut it off the bike and then put it in just pulled it all off into the dirt but it was you know six or seven hundred bucks worth of equipment and gear and uh, riding riding suits and things so that was the start of it and then i arrived at the proceeded to go on because i got 14 you know, 10 days off from the wife and kids i'm not going not gonna to waste that for not for no money so when i got to the campsite That's hashtag baja addict oh it's right all <laughs> So that was, uh, that was the first night. But when I, in the morning, though, when I, I pulled out of my tent with a tiny little blanket on me, freezing cold, I look at my front fork and there's, all the oils leaked out of it. I thought, oh, that's not a good start either, is it? And then that was the, that was the, the catalyst that, that led to our demise, as it were. So it was essentially there was no compression, so the, the tire was taking all the hits. And we really, really, really pushed the bikes hard this trip. I mean, it was, we were laughing to ourselves how, how, how crazy that we were driving, you know? So that was that was the issue. The the tire exploded on the third. I think the third day was it. Yeah, I think it was. Well, you got the hole in the hole in the tubeless tire first. Remember? Yeah, and then it was. We the, attempted to and we we plugged um, it plugged like it with a car tire. Plugged it, didn't hold. Put a put a tube in it. That burst. Can and I then back it, up on that? It the plug didn't hold because Dom and I were riding so hard. We think it threw the plug out. Yeah. I mean, we were because he. If you hit it hard enough, it'll double the pressure on the on the tire. You see, so it just kept bursting and bursting so just, and bursting. But you got the yeah, exactly. It was a, more like a bullet going out with that that speed. So that was um, it was a sort of a progression all the way through it. And we we got it patched professionally a couple of times, and then uh, we thought, oh, we're good now. But and the probably the one day the day I met you guys on the on the on the road from to San Ignacio, I was that was a four hour five hour delay maybe because we fixed it twice. Changed the flat, put it back on, moved forward, and then that was two hours wasted. And Chris said, "Look, we take the wheel back." So he he rode back again with my sixty-pound wheel on the back of his bike, all the way to about forty miles. Yeah, to San Juanico. Uh, San Juanico. San Juanico. So yeah, we saw you there on the yeah. on the dirt road heading north out of San Juanico, yeah. and we spent I don't know probably an hour and a half with you, and you're you're pretty nonplussed about it all. Yeah. And we did see Chris on the on the ride. Uh, he was heading south. We were heading north, but you were right behind a big Raptor, some, some truck that was moving very quickly. And I came over a little rise and that truck was using mu much of the road. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, that's not something I had anticipated that I could meet somebody in a head on and a blind r rise. I didn't see any dust or anything. Did you spill your, you spill your martini? Uh, well, no, no, we're not drinking and driving <laughs> in slow Baja for the record folks. Uh, but no, we weren't. Uh, and, and then you were right behind the guy. And Christopher yeah. said, I, I acknowledged that I saw a motorcycle and it looked like a KTM. And Christopher said, Kaiser said, hey, that's Chris. And he's yeah. got Dom's tire on the back. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, crap. Oh, crap. Well, we're going to find Dom here soon, I'm sure. And you were out there full sun on a wide open dirt road, but yeah. not a highly traveled road. There's, you know, I mean, I saw a guy on a horse out there last trip and that was the that was the, yeah. the only guy i saw the whole time so yeah there were, after there were, there were three three or four vehicles well, uh, past us well the marines of course passed us but um great scott team great scott oh, two scots and an fj80 yeah. out of uh idaho i think yeah so they they passed us and hey, then scott uh, stopped to help and then brilliant guys absolutely brilliant guys and then um uh there was I think one or two other people like groups of people going by and then you guys came along but you you uh, stopped stopped had a nice little chat for about an hour or so, and then um, Chris came back. Uh, I suppose about an hour and a half after you left, Chris came yeah. back with the wheel, and then off we went. For, for me, on that on that one, that wasn't as uh, 
much of a risk as far as my concern because we had traveled that 40 miles i knew what was that road was like we had plenty of daylight left yeah. so to me that wasn't a, a that was comfortable that was accept, an acceptable trip to leave dom yeah and you, and you knew you were going to find a, a tire repair there was guy a tire shop yeah you knew you were going to find a tire repair and guy fuel. and fuel <clears throat> right which you do have to buy from uh, Los Chinero, you go see Aaron over there. Yeah. I was really upset he wasn't wearing my slow Baja hat when I rolled in. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you got back as rapidly as possible. And Dom, you looked like you were you were not worried when we saw you. And we hung around no. a bit. And then we got up the road. And what happened next? Um, Chris came back, plugged up the plugged up the wheel because the, I think the one of the beauty of, of the great things about about um, the Baja Excel in particular, and, and is the best part is getting to the camp. The days are very, very long if you hit all if you hit all your marks and you don't have any mechanicals. But the best part for me is always meeting the people at the camp because you, you you know that's how we met them. the Marines. Actually, ironically, we met on the road. But the the best part I think is spending time at camp with people, and then the, the, everyone's got a great story. Everyone, I, I haven't found a, a person there that I, I didn't like really enjoy hanging out with. You know, usually there's people who are 50-50 on, but they're all great people because that do that kind of activity. So that for me, the, that, the only bummer was not being able to spend more, more time and meet more of these people at that, that um, But I, I was lucky enough to meet great people the last time because it was more of a, when it got shut down by the, by the, the authorities, it, it made it more uh, risky. 2021, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so we had really good, had good, good friends from that before, but um, we met the Marines this time because of the breakdown, which is, you know, the, I guess the irony. Um, but we, you know, put, put the tie back on. We stopped into uh, San Ignacio, had some food there in that restaurant that had the raccoon last time when I was here. <laughs> no, the raccoon's gone and there's some, some sort of odd looking uh, New Zealander there uh, who's like, right out of central casting was, uh, was, the, was the server. But we ate there and we got to the camp late and then bumped into the Marines again with a big cheer. Whee! <laughs> and we pulled in. Um, and then we thought, we thought that that would be the end of it, really. No, no, we, got, we went into, we loaded up on patches went to three different places to buy, you know, good, good patch, patch kits for the tube in case, because I knew that what that road was going to be uh, that day, the following day, is a, a pretty, is a pretty long, arduous ride. And then, um, but patches I, only, no, patches no, only, no tubes. tubes, yeah, no tubes in Baja, <laughs> which I think was a mistake. Yeah, lots of tires, but no tubes, because all the, all the vehicle tires are tubeless. Um, but I did it with Andy last time. And uh, Andy did the, the first part of it was awful for Andy because he didn't like the sand. But the second part of it was more technical because he was a mountain bike rider, so he's pretty good on that, on that part of it. And I don't remember the second part being as bad as the first part. And the first part, I thought, oh, it was, it was really good on this bike. We really enjoyed it. A couple of turnarounds because the, 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 the trails washed out. But then, of course, when that happened, you realize where you are. You think you're, you're 70 miles either direction from anything, um, so you're not going to hike out. So the, when you give somebody, when you, when you say, listen, uh, you know, there's, this, there's very few people in the world that you, that you can think, right, my ass is in your hands, as it were. Um, that you know. That can I trust this person to a complete the task and b, you know, come back as well and within a within a time reasonable time frame. And I thought Chris and I had beers chatting, chatting about this. I thought there's not a lot of people I would trust to do that. And he, he's one of two I think that I, that I would that I, I would do that with. So it's it's critically important to choose the right person. I think that, that you that you do anything with, right? So um, like as I say, that like you told me that guy that disappeared and gave his friend a hundred pesos for a bus ticket. Yeah. So mm. it happens, right? Yeah. So, but it was pretty hairy. In fairness, I mean, my, my water situation was getting pretty bleak when the, by the time uh, he got back a day a day later. Yeah. So set, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be right back with uh, Dominic O'Mahony and Chris Gardner. We'll get the rest of the the story of uh, of the the extended stay, your extended stay in the Baja wilderness. So we'll be right back. Here at Slow Baja, we can't wait to drive our old Land Cruiser south of the border. And when we go, we'll be going with Baja Bound Insurance. Their website's fast and easy to use. Check them out at BajaBound.com. That's BajaBound.com, serving Mexico travelers since 1994. Big thanks to my new sponsor, Nomad Wheels. They stepped up and sponsored the Slow Baja Safari class at the Nora Mexican 1000. And I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but Slow Baja is running a set of 501 convoys in utility gray, and they look pretty damn sharp. They were a little shiny. I will admit that they were a little shiny when uh, I got them installed at Basil's Garage just before the Nora Mexican 1000. But after, I don't know, 3,800 miles of Baja dirt, they look perfect. They really do. Nomad 
wheels.com. That's right. Check them out. Reflecting a minimalist approach to off-road travel, nomadwheels.com. <laughs> hey, we're back. We're having some laughs, um, talking about uh, funny stuff with uh, Chris Gardner and Dominic O'Mahony. And the story gets kind of serious here. And so uh, you've you fixed from when we saw you in San Juanico. You're on the, the dirt road out of San Juanico to San Ignacio. You've had a meal. You've bought some tire patch kits in in San Ignacio. And there's there's not a lot of places to buy this kind of stuff. So how do, how do you what are you doing? Where are you going? And you know, we're on Agro. Um, okay. Went to a big, yeah big. like like an oil place. Right. Once they figured out what what Spanish what you know what what the Spanish was for tire patch, he's like oh yeah, but they're all small bicycle ones. So I went to a car like a proper car place that had my tire patch last time I was there. Um, and then they, they gave me these, you know, sort of two inch, two inch diameter, the circular patches. So, oh, they'll be big enough. So I had, we had, you know, three, three different kits. We thought oh, we'll, we'll be gold. We can handle anything, but clearly that wasn't the case. So when uh, we're about, have you, have you heard of Glue Tread, the new tire patch kit? <laughs> I was giving them out, but uh, you unf- were unfortunately. I didn't see you at the start. Oh my lord! Nope. Yeah, yep. and had I had I known you needed a tire patch kit, I had one in the car. I didn't have any water for you or anything. Is it the one it? that you stick on the outside of the tire? Yeah. I had one of those, but it didn't hold. Oh, that's too yeah, bad. Because there's too much pressure on the on the, on the inner tube, I think. Um, but we, I think we were about uh, f- maybe sev- 60 miles into that into that trail, and b- before it, when it was a fairly flat ground, but then it turns into something you know entirely different going back to the camp. But I, I remember that being faster and easier than than the trail that, I, that we came along the beach, because the Andy that I was riding with doesn't like didn't like the sand at the time, so he was it was quite quite a long quite a long ride. Um, but that was for us. It was about forty-five minutes, and we were through it. And then I thought, oh, well, we'll be great because the the camp, that final camp, the Catavina, is a lovely camp. I really it's, wanted to make it there. Yeah, spectacular. And I didn't know Except the rain in was the rain. <laughs> I had no idea the rain was coming. Nobody. You did. had your own. You had your own problems. Yeah. Looking at weather forecasts. So we stopped. We and we had a, again. The Marines came, uh, drove by us again, uh, helped us pump up the tire. You know, I patched the tire, put it on. They had a really good compressor on their vehicle, pumped it up, and it was holding fine. So off they went on the merry way. Put it on the bike, kilometer later, bang, goes again, and it was just the tear in the tire was just was in the in the inner tube was just too big to to patch it, I guess. So I changed it maybe ten times over the course of twenty four hours. Wow! And at five o'clock, that was at twelve o'clock. At five o'clock, we thought Chris says, "Listen, there's only one way to go here, and that's could go out and get." There's a spare inner tube that Allison's bike, uh, her her uh, generator on the bike, crapped out. So her bike was sitting there with the same tube that I needed. So the plan was for Chris to go back get that tube and then and then come back as soon as possible or as a as a as a backup plan take the wheel off his bike and bring that back to mine and then which is which is what we ended up in doing a, in a car yeah so like you in were come back I mean, I was, in, a, in a four-wheeled vehicle well yeah. that was we didn't we didn't know that was going to happen yet we're like i'm sitting there watching don patches hang on for a second here hang on let me just ask you to one more time go through your quickly your background and the sort of mental checklists that you go through in exposing yourself to danger and at your at your previous employment okay that yeah, you have so all your fingers and toes i do i, do, I know she had some foot surgery there but probably wasn't related to work from motorcycles actually okay so you um, you've got some protocols that normally go through your mind for your 25 years of service and right thank you for that but just just talk a little bit about you're going to make a decision here where dom's going to stay and you're going to go Right. So it was, that was definitely in the dark. It was definitely a tough decision. I was, I, I like to have redundancies, you know, so backup, we have backup plans and we were, and we had backup plans, but we had used them all. We had blown all the tires. We were no more tubes. We had patched it and continued on as normal and then tried to repatch a patch, pull old patches off. And we had one patch left and it was about five o'clock. And I was just like, we're, we're not going to, this is not going to work. It's just not going to work. And I need to, I need to go get assistance for us. And in my gut, I really didn't want to leave Dom because uh, we did get an in-reach out to our friend, Matt Walter. And it, it was a very long communication chain to get it back around to eventually. I think it got to you guys and a few other people, but I just wasn't confident that we were going to get rescued or get the equipment really, because I knew, like Dom said, Allison had a tube that we could use, but she's only going to be at the camp for so long. I needed 
what I needed was going to be there, but for a small period of time, a small window. Yeah. You, for a small you, window. You had to, if that yeah. wasn't there, then we were back to, I don't know where to get a tube. Um, so yeah, uh, I made a decision to leave Dom, even though it was difficult. I left him water, food, a stove, and some extra warmth, a bag to sleep in. Bag, yeah. And uh, I took, I took his GPS and mine because his had the tracks on it from last year that got him, got me out. And um, but on that previous trip back to fix his tire, it had gone out on me, and I, I was having mechanic issues with it, so I wasn't trusting it. So that also added to my anxiety about going to a place I hadn't been yet. Unlike the other, I didn't know what lie, lie ahead. Dom here was with his keep calm, carry on attitude is very, very compelling way. He was like, Oh, it's easy, mate. Uh, so yeah, I, I set out, I had about 20 minutes of light and it was very flat beachfront road until you turn into the mountains. Um, when you got into the mountains, it became very rocky. Uh, there was a lot of erosion that had happened pre since Dom had done that two years ago. And, uh, and now it's dark. Um, there were, there were some hill climbs there that <laughs> I, um, really tested me. I, um, knew Dom needed, I needed to get there so that I could get myself and Dom out. If I crashed now, I'm now I'm out separated from my partner who, who's also stranded. It, it just, that's a nightmare, right? And I was wrestling with this decision to leave those four hours. Like, was this right or wrong? Especially when I started hitting these hills that are just exposed softball, soccer ball sized boulders with erosion ruts At is night. 12 inches more deep yeah. in this, you know, Jeep wide trail. And at one point I can, I know it's a, a cliff, but it's just black, nothing. Mm -hmm. And it and, is dark in Baja at night. And it's dark. And even right now, I can even feel a little bit of anxiety thinking about it. And I don't, Mike, I don't know how I got up some of those hills. Yeah. I really, something helped me, man. We went back the next day and I, I'm like, I wouldn't want to ride that even in the daytime. And, uh, I did fall on one hill on halfway on the ascent. And I remember thinking like, I, I can't get up this hill, but I have to get up this hill. I just kept, I picked the 500 pound bike up on the side of this hill. I just grabbed front brake. It's in gear. I start it and I just get it. I just get it up that hill, you know, in the second hill that really, and, and when I get up the hill, I just, thinking and I'm actually talking to myself I'm alone in the dark and I'm like okay you made it it's behind you and I'm like I hope nothing that I can't handle is ahead of me like rain and then it starts raining <laughs> sorry I'm laughing and then it started raining it's, it's just, funny it's funny just now pile it on it was pile it on and though this trail is just riddled with exposed you know call them kickers or baby heads or whatever but they're like softball size or sometimes soccer ball size rocks that are, you know, half buried, quarter buried, three quarter or three quarter exposed. And you, you hit them. And in normal dry conditions, you hit them and you bounce over them. And, but in the rain, you slide, you bounce and slide. And it's just very, very, you know, you're on a fine, fine balance with these 500 pound bikes with these motocross bikes that are 200 pounds you can really lean and save yourself because you can just kick kick yourself up but if you fall off your center of balance with these 500 pound bikes you just have a very narrow error margin of, of error there so again the the second hill climb which I, I didn't fall on but i i don't know how because i started ascending that thing and it was so rocky and so rutted and I started bouncing and getting a little whiskey throttle and over revving. And I bounced from the left side of this Jeep trail to the right side of this Jeep trail and back. 
never, I never, I don't know how I made it, but I did. And it's raining and I get, and it's a couple hours, I think of off-road and I'm, I'm like, fi finally I'm on the road, but now it's really raining. It's raining sideways and I've got 45, 50 miles of highway now in the rain. I mean, sideways and it's blowing semi trucks are going by me. I, I at the most I, I, I do maybe 40, but when the semis would come, I'd have to, I'd literally slow down to like five or, or less I mean, second gear, just, and let, just let them go by and, uh, and just wear it. And you're just wear the, you're gonna wear the air blast you're gonna wear the weather all of it and you're gonna hope that you're not gonna get run over and I, and, you know, I have to have my visor up because I can't see but right. and I remember going having this little men, mental issue of like with the visor down it's hard to see but I can see the reflectors on the road and I know I'm on the road I can see the the line um, but when I have to lift my visor I can see how hard it truly is raining and I'm like I don't want to know this I don't want to know how bad this is um, but yeah it, obviously I was soaked I contemplated stopping but I just I just can't I just couldn't yeah you've got a narrow window to find Allison a, hopefully who's mm, hopefully in camp who's hopefully in camp who's hopefully in camp has no communication from you to know that you know right wait for these guys they they need your your tube right and uh so there that's a gamble but you know i'm also on top of this i'm also thinking because we're traveling with a, a couple guys in an fj they were, they were on a different track that day but that we're expecting them to be at camp and, and i'm gonna get their help as well but uh so i'm thinking that but i get to camp and realize okay cool allison's bike's there but our guy, our friends in the FJ are also having a mechanical, a major mechanical issue out there and they're stuck. So they're no longer an option when I get to camp. Um, Allison's bike is there, but Allison's not at camp. She's at the hotel. Um, like the smart people. Right. And uh, the two Scots, the, who, who uh, Dom calls the Marines, which yeah, they were. Great, great Scott. Great yeah, Scots. Team, team Great Scott. Absolutely. Those guys welcomed me in like instantly. And I know I was wound very tight and shivering, freezing, soaking wet. I was so hyper-focused on what was directly in front of me for four-plus, however many hours it, it was. And they could immediately see that I needed, like, some help. Right. And, and they, they did just that. They welcomed me in. They fed me, threw hand warmers in my pockets. Um, I slept in their, their tent, the three of us slept in their tent. Um, so that was great. Those guys, they jumped, they were on, on our team from the second I got there. Um, the next morning went like clockwork. We, our plan was one, find Allison. When I got to the hotel where she was at, I saw the car she was riding in, but there's 14, 15 doors. I'm like, right. it's six o'clock. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to start knocking on the door. So I just knock on the door closest to that truck. It's Allison. Wow. It's Allison. Amazing. Six o'clock. I didn't know you had a lion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're taking it easy. Not much to worry about. But uh, this Allison. And of course, you know, we all, we all know Allison. She's so, so helpful. And uh, she gave us her permission, which we needed. She also gave me some spoons to get the wheel off because we left them all. I left them all with Dom, even though our plan, yeah. I realized I needed those when I got there. But she gave me her tire irons and spoons. And uh, the guys from Baja, the medic in the medic van, they, they helped me out too. Um, we got the we got the uh, John John and Justin Strong. John and Justin, yeah. Yeah, John Clark yep. and Justin Strong. And Justin, Good guys. Justin, yeah. Justin was also recognizing my level of stress, and he gave me some perspective to help me calm down. He he told me to ch chill out, <laughs> calm down, <laughs> basically, which I appreciated because I was wound up tired. Because on top of this, you know, I'm my first adventure rally. I was like, it's over on the 26th. I'll be back that night to pick up my kids because I'm a single dad. And now I realize I'm not going to be home in time. So also, no service. I can't get a message out to my family. I was stressed about that too. Sure. But I was able to get a message out. And, and again, Chris, you're a guy who destroys bombs with the Navy SEALs in Afghanistan <laughs> right. yeah. 20 years ago. I mean, like, you've, you've done some stressful stuff. Yeah, I, it's weird. Like, 
I have no problem putting myself, assuming risk for myself, but like I'm trying to, I'm his only, I'm his last um, line of defense, so right. to speak. Right. So I feel very, very respond. I feel a very heavy uh, responsibility to get it done and, and get it, get it done. Right. So you got the wheel and, and the tire and what, so, what, what, what came off of Allison's bike and so, went with you <laughs> flying back with the great Scots and their FJ 80, which is kind of a slow vehicle, but I bet they might've motored oh, yeah. on down the highway. Yep. They, they got it done. So I got Allison's tube okay. from her front tire and then. We got the Guatemalans to help me speak to uh, the uh, employees at the hotel to allow me to leave my my bike there while we go rescue Don because I wanted to pull my wheel because we have the same bike. So now I have a redundancy again. I can we can either put the tube on or we can put your wheel put on. the wheel on. Yeah. Which I talked to the Scots and we we've come to the conclusion that it made sense to just put my wheel on. Sure. Once we got there and let him ride it back and then. They can once we're back, they can go their own way, and Dom and I can work the the tube, and which is exactly what happened. But uh, we did ride in their trucks on that route that I rode out on, and you know, seeing it in the daylight just reconfirmed to me. Like, I mean, even in the daylight, I would look at that and be like, I don't, I don't want to do that because I'm probably gonna destroy my my bike. Yeah. And, uh, so, Dom, you're out there for over 24 hours. Well, I mean, I, uh, I don't want, you know, I don't want to make, make it all about me, but I, I almost burnt my lips on my hot coffee while he was in the rain. So there's that. <laughs> there's that to worry about. But the, the, the irony is um, I read a great book called Jupiter's Travels a while ago about um, I'm very into the, into, the, into the philosophy of traveling by motorcycle and just what it does. And how I would never have met any of these people that we've met if we weren't on the bikes. If we were in a car, you'd never have met them. So I'm a great proponent of it. It just makes you, there's a, humans are very empathetic by nature. And, and when, you, when you look vulnerable, it, 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 it enables that empathy to come out, I've found. And I've, I've never had anything but great experiences on bikes, especially when you're in trouble. But the opening line of that, the opening sort of scene of that book is when he's laying, he's Ted Simon, who I've met, um, is uh, in India in the 70s. A uh, 45-year-old, you know, kind of middle-class English newspaper writer, never ridden bikes really before, but he runs out of petrol in India in the, in the 1970s, and he's just casually leaning against a tree because what he's learned around his travels is that you know somebody always come, somebody will always help you, no matter. And that's that's my my uh, that's kind of been my philosophy. It's always going to work out. You just got to figure out how you're going to fix it. You know, you're not going to starve. You're not going to die. But you know, there's, there's always a way to get to get out of it. But unless you, you know, like I was I was kind of worried about Chris because. I thought it could have if it rained that train would have been that that trail was a disaster but um we my concern was him was how long he was taking i thought well he's a good rider so he would have been up and down and then be back by now even if he came back and says hey there's nothing we can do let's hike out he would he would have he would have come back but um but i think uh i think baja in general it what's good about it is he, chris is a good example he's, he's been in some hairy situations for 25 years but there's it's always meticulously planned he's got He's got, you know, uh, second and third plans, that sort of stuff. But Baha doesn't allow that. And you've, you've really got to just let, Baha, let, let the universe take you where it's going to take you, I think, in Baha. And I think if you, if you kind of learn to accept it, it's okay. Uh, and I, I think that's, that's, that's why it attracts a certain kind of people. I, I mean, I, it was still a fantastic experience, even though it was nothing but a massive dumpster fire as, as the, from day one to, from to, to, to which day Which is what we dubbed him yeah. from day one. He's dumpster fire dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, it's, again, it's not about me. And, and as I'm burning my mouth on some hot coffee at this little roadside cafe that we stopped it's in. Terrible. And I see that they have a little sign that says Wi-Fi and tips. You know, there's a little canteen, uh, old canteen hand-painted on the, the wall. It says Wi-Fi and tips. So I get on the guy's Wi-Fi. And my phone just explodes with problems. Yeah. We were just merrily tootling <laughs> along. Had no... I'm just, glad I could ruin your day as yeah, well. Yeah, ig ignorance is bliss. Yeah. And then, like, this, this message text thread just explodes lovely and, isn't it and i'm trying to and it took a long time for this guy to make the coffee it was good old-fashioned find the water <laughs> put it in the pot yeah tell us six stories <laughs> boil the water put the coffee in the in the sock put the water through the sock tell us more stories try to sell us property do you know tell me all of his problems in the world and i'm just like scroll scroll jesus what the heck oh my god what what it and i'm now christopher is engaging with the guy bantering back and forth having a good time and i'm like uh, up, 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 up. who can i help how can i get edson at the ice cream shop all this stuff and the guy 
for whatever happened, some freak, maybe his metabolism, maybe his blood alcohol level, what have you, he gets angry at us and shuts off the Wi-Fi. <laughs> and I'm, I'm flipping because like, listen, there's an emergency happening here and now I can't communicate. And so I, I offered it, you know, 50 pesos for a minute, five minutes, you know, 100 pesos. And he's not taking, get out of here, get out. So I, I what peel, was this? I peel my sticker off his door. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm is, checking my sticker and I'm it leaving. It is not slow Baja Ooh, that's approved. True. <laughs> it is not slow Baja approved. And so we we drive back down the road 45 minutes uh, in the direction of you to get back to the hotel Catavina, and you know, and actually you go to the mini super and buy some Wi-Fi time and get back on the thread of what can we do, what can we do. And I called your guy here in San in San Diego on FaceTime because we had the, the Wi-Fi wow. to just cut out all the chatter yeah. and see if there was actually somebody I didn't know that. That's great. That's going nice. to get you because we had issues, my own lack of modern navigational stuff. We had your coordinates, but I'm not a guy who can like plug that into my phone and make that stuff happen. And I learned how to do that as I was on Wi-Fi in the mini super. <laughs> and we got a guy from Long Beach BMW that we had met the night before at... Oh, yeah, really? He plugged into his his GS, and we'd met him the night before in San Ignacio. And so he plugs it into his GS, and I'm videotaping it as he's rolling through his instructions. That's hilarious. And then I find it in my benchmark Baja Road and Recreation Atlas. So we had you pretty well triangulated exactly where we were. Then I figured out how to get your exact location into my Google. And then it was like three hours and 15 minutes from here. And so... Once we had discussed with your your guy in San Diego who's relaying your messages, and and that's another story for another time, but the guy who was handling the information distribution, then we had to figure out, is anybody coming inside of that three-hour window? Is somebody going to solve this problem before we go tear-assing back to get Mm -hmm. you? And at this point, I'm super anxious, like you've experienced, but nothing to the level. And just as I came, I was walking from the refrigerator with two cold gallons of water, uh, a bunch of Cokes under my arms, and, and about to pile that up on the uh, register and buy an armload of food. And we don't have a cooler or anything, you know. So it, that's when the message came through that, that you guys were riding out. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's funny. I, 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 I got on the Facebook this morning, and it was, it was quite it was very heartwarming, really, because there's about 40 people on that chain. Yeah. And it was uh, it, again. That just—it's it, just the epitome of what, of what this rally is about, and what what that type of person is about, anyway. I mean, if it's, it's Bahas can be quite annoying because if you stop to take, you know, to take a leak by the side of the road or just you stretch your legs, people hit the brakes and say, "Are you okay? Do you need anything?" Constantly. <laughs> I love that about it. Yeah, we do that here. You, you know, if you if you stop by the side of the road here, they'll call the police on you in in, the, in California, but they, they, you, you, they treat you like a leper. I'm gonna the the guy Matt Walther how. Is how I know Chris. How I met Matt Walther. This is this might be an edit, but how I met Matt Walther was about trigger warning. About ten year, uh, ten years ago, I was at National Mall about eleven years ago when I got my first GS. There was a guy visiting on the, uh, a road traveler from uh, Canada was driving out to Panama. So he ended up staying in my garage for like a week. So I took it to took him to Rawhide. It's a like an off road. Um, Jim Hyde is a guy. He's like he, he teaches off road riding skills for BMW. So Matt Walther and his and a, and a, a Navy SEAL friend of his uh, had just got back from deployment, and they were there giving these demonstrations on on what to do when things goes wrong, when things goes wrong. And I just got one of these called these the original Spot Spot Connect, the satellite tracker. And uh, so there's me and about you know BMW owners have got the most money out of any except for me, of course I'm the broke one there. But there's all these me and all these rich, basically rich middle middle aged dudes in this tent in all of these two special forces guys just got back from, you know, doing Lord know, Lord knows what in uh, in the Middle East. So they were still in still in that sort of that kind of, you know, mentality. And then uh, so they were doing they they pulled out one of these spot connect devices and they said, We do this, you do that, you always keep these on your person. And I asked I asked a question. I said, Hey, I have a question. If if I'm riding along and I and I hit the SOS button on the spot detection because I, I find a guy who's got a broken leg. But all of a sudden he jumps up and he says, I feel fine, he drives off. Am I on the hook for that for that helicopter rescue? Who pays for it? And he says to me, what well, do you care? You've just saved his life. I said, no, he's fine, he's ridden off. But am I still, who pays for that, for that, um, that uh, service? He said, are you telling me that you'd rather 
risk someone's life rather than pay than 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 pay for a fit, you know, for a rescue that wasn't needed. I said, no, I'm not saying that at all. I said, I just, I, I don't want to pay fifty thousand dollars if this guy rides off, and, I, and that's the answer I was looking at. And he just said, you know, what? He, he essentially said to me, why don't you sit down and shut the f up because you because you could have, you're the cause of that guy dying, in front of like fifty people. It made me feel like a complete idiot. So then three weeks later, I'm on Craigslist looking for some for a half-used tire to, to do a, a trip down to Mike's Sky Ranch. I go knock on the guy's door in Imperial Beach. It's the same guy. I knock on his door. And I'm like, oh, my God, not this a-hole again. R ring, ring the doorbell. He says, are you here for the chickens? I says, what? He goes, are you here for the chicken coop? I said, no, I'm here for your tire. So he goes, all right, come in. He's all, you know, grumpy. He's a bit, he's a huge dude. So he brings me inside, and, um, and I, he's got the old GS that you had, the old uh, R100. So... Brings me inside, I thought, oh good, he hasn't recognized me, just get the tie and get out of here. And he said, hey man, because you want a coffee? I said, oh, I'll have a coffee. So we started chatting about bikes and getting along really well and stuff. And, and he said, you want another coffee? I said, oh, yeah, I'll take another one. And then uh, I said, and then I said, to him, I, said, I said, I do know you, by the way. He goes, yeah, you look familiar. I said, I'm the guy that you told to shut the F up and sit down. <laughs> and he said, oh, sorry, but we've been best friends ever since. But ironically, he was the one that was, that was doing all of this, this, the satcom for us. That's yeah. how I met this guy. Awesome. But, little edit, so. No, oh, awesome. Awesome, and so you were on to the the yeah we got to wrap this up. You were on to the um, the problem of Baja that you might be just taking a break, taking a roadside pee break, yeah, and people are going to stop and say everything okay, yeah, and, and it, you know I think it happens to me just because I'm in this iconic old vehicle because you the, look destitute yeah with the with the pith helmet and, and the name of the the vehicle on the yeah. door and people want to say hey, everything all right slow baja and i'm like oh, just taking a break here just you know yeah um but it really is like that it really is like that but when we saw you on the road in san juanico i always figured that i'm the last guy we're traveling the slowest yeah we're leaving the latest that's true we're doing the you know that we'd gone done a podcast with the folks who hosted us for dinner the night before so i i figure there's nobody behind us so whenever i see somebody come from behind me when i'm pulled over it blows my mind so when you're out there and we're three hours away i'm figuring that there's pretty much nobody behind us for there, sure there was one vehicle passed me in the whole 24 hours i was there and it was it was about 15 minutes before the, the chris and the u.s marines showed up amazing yeah. but yeah there was no one there at all well, well let's wrap it up you, you spent more than 24 hours out in the wilderness. Um, Chris went through a harrowing, harrowing night where he has no idea how he got up these hills in the, in the night and rode through sleeting rain, and it was awful. I was worried about where I was going to park. It was raining so hard because, you know, I didn't want to have yeah. uh, Lake Baja in the back of my open truck. <laughs> um, how soon are you guys going back? Tomorrow, if I could, yeah. yeah. Actually, well, we're going to go back with the lessons we've learned, and uh, we've, got, we've definitely learned some lessons. Like, uh, you know, we could have planned better gear. I think we'll plan better gear next time. But the biggest takeaway for me is, you know, we when we were when it's time to shut it down. When you're you're on your last, you know, redundant, you know, backup plan, it, it's not time to keep carrying on. And you and, could have gone on the highway, bombing down. Chris the, is the, the road police. He hits we, it when I'm happy. Our our our, our ride was over but we didn't we were just kind of overwhelmed with the fun and the excitement of bombing down these roads and we didn't we lost sight of that you know yeah, and you said to me earlier before we started uh rolling here when we were waiting for dominic to show up you said you know you're always in a team in the military you're yes. always in a team you're always in a team there's always a team there i said it's only in the movies that the guy's out there by himself getting mm -hmm. the job yeah. done carrying the weight of the world on his back and you had, you both had that experience on this trip, and that Dominic, you jumped in immediately and said, "Yeah, I'm ready to go back tomorrow if I could." Oh yeah, Chris, mm -hmm. I, I cut you off. So finish finish yeah, that no, thought. That thought that actually comes from a conversation I had with with the Scots because you know being Marines, uh, Scott said, uh, "Yeah, we all you know look at ourselves as tough guys and can do anything," and but in the in the military, you're always on a team. You have standard operating procedures. You have structure. You know what to do if this happens, if that happens. You're never truly alone, and and that's it. Rarely, and it's uh, it's never by by design. So when I f found myself in that situation, it was just a strange. The first time I really had someone else's life in my hands, I felt. And uh, like I said, I just I don't know how I did that. I did I did it. I just got it done. <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully Hurrah. you did. 
thankfully you did. And Dominic, you go back tomorrow. Oh, I would. Yeah. Wrap, wrap it up for us. I definitely would. Well, unless you know, if if you haven't experienced Baja, then you don't. You just don't get it. I think there's there's so much to do, and it's, and I think that. What's annoying me now is that we didn't finish that road, of course, which is the, 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 we've, well, the, I the did. plan is, well, I, some I, of us I did, yeah. It. Yeah, but in the, <laughs> but in the dark business. doesn't count, Chris, you can't see it. But that's what I want to do is go back and finish that road. That's my, that's my, big, uh, my big takeaway from this. But I'm going to get the bike ready first and fix it. Yeah, it sounds like you need some kit. I do. Yeah, that's a fun uh, yeah. part. Any KTM dealers out there willing to donate parts, where I will gladly take them. You can reach uh, Dominic through Slow Baja, KTM folks through Slow Baja. Yeah, there's... Um, we had Takamoto at our hotel the night before we knew all the problems. Nice. So I tried to reach him from the road. He was down there with a KTM-led ride. Oh, really? Yeah. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to get to him when we when you were out there in the bush. But um, and and so satellite communications. Last last thing, the inreach saved your bacon to some degree. Yeah. This inreach, the two things saved my bacon actually. Um, both bought at the Overland Expo. Funnily enough, uh, one was about uh, ten years. I bought the original inreach from Delorme. Uh, didn't have a ba- didn't have a battery, but Patrick had a spare. Uh, sorry, didn't have a charger, but Patrick had a spare charger. So I only turned it on that morning, ironically. And the other one was uh, a spla- in 2021. There was I met this smooth talking ex marine guy who lives in Oceanside. They have a company that make these uh, these sort of thermal um, semi waterproof thermal shields that you put over your tent to keep your tent cool. But it was two hundred dollars, which is you know it's a lot for for a small piece of kit. I never used it, but but I wrapped that around my my camp chair, my REI camp chair, which is another big luxury. And then that kept the rain off me. And then of course the inReach was, uh, I mean, my wife, of course, wives, you know, they, they worry constantly when you're doing these ridiculous, you know, masculine adventures. Um, but uh, keeping her, made her feel a lot better. And, um, and without Matt, without me really relaying everything to Matt, and then I, luckily I had your numbers. I just, I gave him all the numbers of all the people I had on the Baja XL and it was like a, it was like a snowball from there, I guess. So, but yeah. it was good. Well, we are all worried about you. I appreciate it. And I do appreciate that. And that's you the spirit of the <laughs> Yeah, we're going to leave it right there. We've got a lot of miles to make today in an old truck that's not running all that well. And this was a terrific opportunity to get that story. And we're all going to have a beer over this another time and another place in Baja. And we'll be laughing. Yes, well, indeed. We'll, we'll Thanks for listening. Another Baja story. Yeah. When it's not so raw. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. Well, how about that one? <laughs> yeah, that was a harrowing tale, and I'm glad that uh, everybody was there at the end to tell me on Slow Baja all about it. Um, Chris and Dom, if you uh, got fired up about a Baja trip on your ADV bike, well, you can join us. You can join them. They're going to be leading the motorcycle side on the Slow Baja February 23rd through March 1st, Tecate down to San Ignacio, a couple nights in San Ignacio. We're going to do some whale watching down there, and then we're going to work our way back up and uh, have a little beach fiesta, a little leap year beach fiesta in San Felipe. And if that sounds like fun, you better hit me up quick. Um, I've got a couple couple of slots for bikes. Hit me up on that contact button or uh, reach out via Instagram or Facebook, and uh, we can talk about getting you on the slow Baja. If you like what I'm doing, please take a second, share the show, rate the show, drop a taco in the tank. You know, that is actually the most helpful thing. If you got tacos jingling around in your pocket after the holidays here, if you still got a taco in your pocket, drop one in the tank, por favor. <laughs> and if you don't, I get it. Um, you know, you can uh, you can go to Spotify, you can go to Apple Podcasts, you can drop a five-star, you can say something nice, you can text the show, you can share the show, you can send it on WhatsApp to a friend, and that is helpful as well. Got stickers in the shop. I've got hats in the shop. Uh, there's some large sweatshirts, some double XLs and XLs. If uh, you're thinking it's getting a little chilly and you need a sweatshirt, uh, get on that site, slowbaha.com shop and uh, help me out. Spread the word. Wear some merch. You know, I've been getting some messages. People were wearing their slow Baja swag over the holidays and it's a conversation starter. You know, if you're in a grocery store or a restaurant down in Baja or even in San Diego, somebody's going to see that slow Baja hat or that slow Baja shirt and strike up a conversation. So be ready for that. All right. Well, you know, um, Mary McGee, slow Baja alum, now an off-road motorsports hall of famer. She had a pal, Steve McQueen. They went to a, she went to a New Year's Eve party back in 62, met this cool cat, Steve McQueen. He said, you got to get off your pansy road racer, Mary. You got to come out to the desert and ride with me. And she did. (laughs) And she got pretty dang good at it. Um, but her friend Steve, he loved 
desert. He loved Baja. And he said, you know, Baja is life. Anything that happens before or after is just waiting. You know, people always ask me, what's the best modification that I've ever made to slow Baja? Without a doubt, it's my Shieldman seats. You know, Toby at Shieldman USA could not be easier to work with. He recommended a Vario F for me and a Vario F XXL for my navigator, Ted. This Ted's kind of a big guy. And Toby was absolutely right. The seats are great and they fit both of us perfectly. And let me tell you, after driving around Baja for over a year on these seats, I could not be happier. Shieldman Slow Baja approved. Learn more and get yours at shieldman.com.